this is the virtual meeting that is being presented by the FDA dealing with the biologics evaluation and research. This is their 67th meeting. Uh, they're going to reveal so much. These are the scientists. These are the medical professionals and the FDA approved for them to do their different presentations. And I want you all to hear exactly what it is that we've been saying because everything they said is what we've been saying. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Recep Levy. I hope you can see my personal title slide labeled as slide A on the bottom right. I'm on the faculty of the MIT Sloan School of Management. I have no conflict of interest to disclose today, and my presentation represents only my individual opinions and does not reflect in any way on the positions of MIT. Next to slide B. Since the Pfizer's request for the approval of the boosters is partially based on the so-called study conducted in Israel, it is important to understand that the booster vaccination campaign in Israel was anything but a carefully designed study. In a matter of less than six weeks, Israel moved from its initial intention to vaccinate the over 60 population to vaccinating anyone above the age of 12, and it is now about to mandate booster vaccination for anyone to maintain green passport status. This does not allow any reliable learning, definitely not in such a short amount of time. And please understand that the adverse event surveillance system in Israel is truly dysfunctional, particularly around the booster deployment. I know from personal experience that the Ministry of Health in Israel does not address appropriately major concerning safety signals. Next to slide C. This leaves us with the question, what drove this massive booster deployment? Next to slide D. Trying to reach vaccine-induced herd immunity by reducing transmission rates will be consistent with the stated goal of the agreement that Israel signed with Pfizer, as you can see on slide D on the left-hand side. The problem is that by now we already know from mounting evidence that reaching herd immunity based on the current vaccines does not seem like a feasible or realistic goal. Not surprisingly, as you can see on the right-hand side of slide D, Israel continues to have among the highest infection rates per capita in the world. Next to slide E. You all listened to a presentation of the Israeli Ministry of Health that praises the efficacy of the boosters. I would like to caution this premature celebration and remind you that similar statements were made just six months ago around February on the two initial doses. Note on slide E on the right hand side that COVID-19 deaths in Israel in spite of all of the boosters are on the rise whereas in other countries, including many states in the U.S., they seem to be on downward trend at the moment. The data from Israel also highlights that the main risk of serious COVID-19 outcomes is focused to a large extent among, among the completely unvaccinated population and almost entirely in the over 61. On the left-hand side of slide E, you can also see data from Table 1 in a research paper by the Ministry of Health in Israel that suggests that the benefits from the boosters compared to a, the prior two doses in preventing serious illness might be much more limited than desired. There is much more to say about the problems of the current booster efficacy study. Next to slide F. But let me conclude by stressing how important it is to transition from emergency strategies to long-term ones. Slide F outlines five important considerations in doing so. They are self-explanatory. I hope you will hold off of approving this booster for broad use, at least until such a strategy is developed. Thank you for your attention. Thank you, Dr. Levy. Uh, the next speaker is Dr. Joseph Raymond.
um, please, if you can go to my first slide. Um, hello, my name is Dr. Joseph Freeman. No conflicts to declare. I'm a, an emergency physician educated at Cornell Medical School. My residency was Charity Hospital in New Orleans, and I've been working in this region since. Where I work, over 65% of the population are not vaccinated. I'm here today to ask for help for those working the front line to help us reduce vaccine hesitancy. For this, we need larger trials that demonstrate the vaccine reduce hospitalization without finding evidence of serious harm. I know many think the vaccine hesitants are dumb or just misinformed. That's not at all what I've seen. In fact, typically, independent of education level, the vaccine hesitants I've met in the ER are more familiar with vaccine studies and more aware of their own COVID risk than the vaccinated. Uh, next slide, please. For example, many of my nurses have refused the vaccine, despite having seen COVID-19 cause more death and devastation than most people have. I asked them why refuse the vaccine. They tell me that while they've seen the firsthand dangers of COVID in the elderly, the obese, diabetics, they think their risk is low. They're not wrong. Next slide, please. One nurse showed me this Oxford risk calculator. A 30-year-old female has about a one in 7,000 chance of catching COVID and being hospitalized over 90 days. She asked me, can I assure her that the studies found her risk of serious harm from the vaccine is lower than her risk of hospitalization? The truth is I can't. Our trials weren't big enough. They weren't big enough to identify the vaccines cause myocarditis, yet now we know they do. Next slide, please. A recent observational study suggests the risk of vaccine-induced myocarditis in young males is higher than their risk of hospitalization from COVID. Is this true? We don't know. It's based on observational data. To know it's not true, we need a large trial that proves the vaccines reduce hospitalization more than they cause myocarditis in this age group. Next slide, please. The former FDA commissioner said the original premise of the vaccine was to reduce death and hospitalization. And that was the data that came out of the initial clinical trials. Except, as you all know very well, and fortunately, unfortunately, so did my nurse, the initial clinical trials did not find a reduction in death or hospitalization, likely because they were inadequately powered. Yet the former commissioner is correct that the initial trials should have been powered to find a reduction in hospitalization. Next slide, please. We need your help on the front lines to stop vaccine hesitancy. Demand the booster trials are large enough to find a reduction in hospitalization. Without this data, we, the medical establishment, cannot confidently call out anti-COVID vaccine activists who publicly claim the vaccines harm more than they save, especially in the young and healthy. The fact that we do not have the clinical evidence to say these activists are wrong should terrify us all. Thank you. Next slide. Thank you, Dr. Freeman. The next speaker is Mr. Steve Kirsch. Hi, I'm Steve Kirsch. I'm executive director of the COVID-19 Early Treatment Fund. I have no conflicts. Uh, advance to slide number four with the elephant. I'm going to focus my remarks today on the elephant in the room that nobody likes to talk about, that the vaccines kill more people than they save. Today, we focus almost exclusively on COVID death saves and vaccine efficacy because we were led to believe that the vaccines are perfectly safe. But this is simply not true. For example, there were four times as many heart attacks in the treatment group in the Pfizer six-month trial report. That wasn't bad luck. Theirs shows heart attacks happen 71 times more often following these vaccines compared to any other vaccine. In all, 20 people died who got the drug, 14 died who got the placebo. 
few people notice that. If the net all-cause mortality from the vaccines is negative, vaccines, boosters, and mandates are all nonsensical. This is the case today. Death rates. Um, uh, let's slide number seven, advance uh, to the number seven in the lower part. This shows that the all-cause uh, death light rate in, uh, uh, in three cases. Only the VAERS numbers are statistically significant, but the other numbers are troubling. Even if the vaccines had 100% protection, it still means we kill two people to save one life. Four experts did analyses using completely different non-U.S. data sources, and all of them came up with approximately the same number of excess vaccine-related deaths, about 411 deaths per million doses. That translates into 150,000 people have died. Next slide would be slide number 11, uh, the nursing home. Now, the real numbers confirm that we kill more than we save. And I, will, uh, I would love everyone to look at the Israel Ministry of Health data on the 90-plus-year-olds where we went to. We went from a 94.4% uh, vaccinated group to 82.9% vaccinated in the last four months. In the most optimistic scenario, it means that 50% of the vaccinated people died and 0% of unvaccinated people died. Unless you can explain that to the American public, you cannot approve the boosters. Slide number 16, please, myocarditis. Uh, the paper just posted yesterday on MedArchive entitled MRNA COVID-19 Vaccination and Development of CMR Confirmed Myopericarditis shows that the myopericarditis risk was one in a thousand. And that's an overall age range from 16, 18 to 65, mean age of 33. It is not inconsistent with what the bear shows. Next slide would be slide number 18, gaming of the trial. It's pretty clear that the Pfizer trial results were gained. It's statistically impossible for protocol violations to be five times higher in the treatment group. Why hasn't this been investigated? Slide number 19. Uh, Maddie DeGray was, was 12 when she enrolled in the Pfizer phase three trial for kids. Now she's paralyzed for life. It wasn't recorded by it in the uh, Pfizer results. I told Janet Woodcock there was no investigation. Please tell us why this was not, why this fraud was not investigated. And finally, um, slide number 20, please. Um, early treatments are a much better alternative to boosters. Uh, the proof is that in Israel, cases are at an all-time high. In India, Uttar Pradesh is now COVID-19 free as of today. Almost nobody there is vaccinated. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, the next speaker is uh, Mr. David Weidman. Uh, thank you, Dr. Monto. Please see our written comments. Uh, next slide B uh, for our disclosures, and next slide, slide C. Uh, with this Lancet paper by FDA vaccine officials, we find ourselves agreeing with them, but for different reasons. We have an unclear need with unclear motivation, significant safety concerns, poor evidence of sustained boost efficacy, and wrong priorities. So while FDA and Pfizer can't agree about waning efficacy, let's go to the next slide, D. We saw recently CDC's apparently withholding, apparent withholding of key data from ACIP prior to recommending the Pfizer vaccine and revealing that the primary driver for approving Comirnaty was to overcome hesitancy through regulatory misdirection. We agree with others that this has become politicized. Next slide, E. Pfizer's booster evidence today is weak. They are, they are small studies in mostly younger subjects. They are short-term. There is no randomized control. There are no clinical outcome data, only serology. Inadequate safety given this is a gene therapy product. 
Where are the data from the 10,000 patient study? Next slide, F. If FDA cannot assure us of the safety of two doses, how can they assure us of three? We see strong signals for death, myocardial infarction, and coagulopathy that need transparent investigation. Next slide, G. We find three potential pools of vaccine-associated deaths. Note the second pool among vaccinees. Next slide, H. Daily cases in Israel increase upon booster rollout compared with the same period last year. Please note the correct rollout is July the 1st at the 130 uh, number. The, the Israel booster presented today has matching censoring bias seen in related studies, non-comparable populations, possible clustering bias, inadequate accounting for early vaccine effects, and a short follow-up in mainly older people. Next slide, I. Others show unexplained Israeli deaths lockstepping with booster rollout. Rollout. This looks like the second pool deaths we said before in vaccinees, rejected by New England Journal of Medicine in February. Next slide, J. Other safety concerns not voiced in the label are revealed in studies funded offline by NIH for menstrual disorders. Next slide, K. And offline by CDC in a disturbing revelation of an urgent need to monitor safety in pregnancy. Put this in the label. Next slide, L. Long-term safety, no cancer studies were performed. Moderna said its vaccine was a gene therapy product. Why is the FDA not requiring five to 15 year cancer and other studies per their gene therapy guidance? Next slide, M. We propose the term PCOVs to describe the wide spectrum of events being reported. Next slide, N. We are running out of options. Vaccine hesitancy won't be solved by bullying or coercion. Address safety, show convincing booster efficacy. Revisit repurposed drugs. Next slide, O. We reverse the findings of flawed landmark studies that have misguided policy. Journals refuse to correct these defects, and Dr. Rubin's seat on this committee is a conflict. Next slide, P. This is what has to be done. Thank you very much.